Hello and welcome to the VCD Roundtable April 2022 edition. Um, today in a very small group, it's just Matthias and myself. So it's only a Comdivision VCD Roundtable for today. Hello, Matthias. Hi, Eve. Two people are one group, so that fits perfectly fine. Two, two people are one group, and we are also actually um, all together in the German headquarter this week because we are doing um, a VCD upgrade, or not, a, not only a VCD upgrade, but also um, weird NSX-V2T stuff. Uh, someone told us that we should actually migrate that at one as well. But before we get to that point, I wanted to quickly showcase, because finally, um, the VMware V-Expert Award for our podcast made it into the office. I'm not sure if we are going to send it around between everybody in the future, or what are we going to do with it. Um, but at least it finally showed up here. Thanks again for the community for voting for us and making us uh, one of the best community podcasts. So um, that is um, very well received by us. So with that being said, Matthias, let's talk about our VCD upgrade. So we finally moved our VCD from 10.2 to 10.3, but that didn't necessarily work as we expected it to work in the first place. It finally worked as expected, but um, yeah, as you mentioned, so what we what lessons learned during an upgrade is firstly validate if the database replication is working perfectly fine. But being honest, using the VAMI makes it very easy to validate if the database replication works. And if you find an entry having an, um, an exclamation mark, indicates that something might not be working as expected or ideal. But being said or saying this is, okay, what is the solution to the whole thing? Just remove the cell from the instance. So yeah, just remove it, accept it. So it's a two-step process, shut it down, remove it in VCD UI, use the API to remove the database instance and then deploy a new cell. So we're back up to three and everything works as expected or should. Uh, you should also, uh, don't forget about the API call you need to make to remove the um, database node from That's the- That's what I mentioned, two-step ah. process. I but thought yeah. you meant the other one, uh, the other removal. That's perfectly fine. Yeah. So Where's what the we learned is you should, keep in mind that if you have changed the certificates, so everyone is perfectly aware that I love certificates and certificates love me, maybe not. It's an on-off relationship, I would say, call it. Yeah. So a, a key store password used, if you change certificates in cloud director, should always be perfectly documented because you might needed later on. So what we found out, if you just deploy a new standby cell to the whole infrastructure and use the VAMI setup wizard to add the cell to the whole instance, so the database replication, so you just mount the NFS, you have the responses.properties file in place, everything works perfectly fine, the database is replicated, all good, VCD starts the unattended setup, and then you receive an error saying the key store password is incorrect. So that was really nice, especially it's a Sunday. So password is not working anymore. Um, the 
problem with the error message is that we firstly started to think that the key store password is actually so the 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 real key store password is wrong and it took us a while to figure out that the key store password from the newly deployed cell is different than the other because we changed it changing the certificate previously so changing from self-signed certificates to real ones um so it took us a while to figure out and uh, we checked different log files until we saw that the local key store password of the new cell is different because it does a mixture of the new root password used for the cell because we use a different root password for each cell. So that was a bit of an odd combination. And what we just did is we just copied the certificate store from a running cell to the new cell. And so the password matched being in the responses to properties and voila, we had a working installation and the certificates were already in the cell and there was no need to import the real world certificates into that specific cell anymore. So that was pretty nice. Yeah, so I think you also uh, created a little blog post and I will uh, later on put that at least for the YouTube video in the comments. Uh, we can't put comments in the uh, podcast itself, but um, if you go to the VCD Roundtable YouTube um, channel, then you will find the um, find the link to the blog post over there as well. Yeah, I think it, it was interesting because we tried uh, several different response properties files, uh, which we found, and we even recreated one and none of it solved it up until the point where we figured out it's like, yeah, maybe it's maybe it's not actually the file on the NFS share, which is wrong. It's actually um, the certificate file itself um, or something else. So. That's uh, definitely something which potentially people run into um, if they come into that situation at all. Um, normally, I would say in theory, nearly everyone should run into that scenario up until version 10.3, because everybody should have changed their certificates. So basically, if you don't run into it, that means you have never changed your certificates. Also, again, quick reminder, 10.3 is really more picky on the certificate side. You need to ensure that you have um, everything sent up on the vCenter side on the NS6 side. And as I have been troubleshooting, and that's potentially coming out as a blog post from myself, as I have been troubleshooting the whole day uh, Windows 2012 box, trying to PowerShell into the 10.3 uh, VCD instance, I can clearly say if you get a weird cannot connect a message, and I will um, document that down um, anyhow, then um, you might actually be running into the scenario that because VCD 10.3 is even more limited on the amounts of ciphers and other things it supports, that that might cause your PowerShell scripts to be no longer able to connect to the 10.3 uh, instance. So possible solutions is weakened uh, VCD, which we never wanna do from a security perspective. Alternative solution, trust me, I have gone through at least uh, a dozen of Microsoft patches and everything else. I couldn't finally figure out how to solve it. Um, the newer solution to it uh, seems to be just to use a more current Windows OS 
which has different behaviors there and off you go um, from that perspective or use macOS or whatever you like. So that's another learning out of upgrading to 10.3.2a at least. Um, but also as I have been playing around with PowerShell for that, I also learned that the API tokens which came with 10.3.2 or something like that are finally working with PowerShell, which makes it a lot easier. You no longer need to store the username and password for your Power um, CLI scripts on the host. You can work with an API token like you might be used from AWS and other systems already. So that is good news. Um, the only warning, if you wonder how you create the API tokens, because I found a lot of blog posts on it, and what most people do not tell you in the first place is you need to change your default rights bundles to include that specific user permission. Because if you're just upgrading VCD from one version to another, that doesn't change the rights bundles and the roles. And there is a new permission in 10.3, which is on one hand just for your own user and for everybody within your organization, whether you can manage and view the API tokens. Once you have the permission that you can uh, manage and update your own API tokens on the next login, you click on the username preferences and you can create an API token over there. And that gives you the wonderful advantage that you can directly use that in um, either Postman or anything else as a Bira token to connect to the system. And that makes your life a lot easier. Um, plus it's far more secure. And you can revoke it from the VCD perspective. So please don't use the same API token for all your applications. One token per application, give it a proper name within VCD so that if any at any point in time, any of your service users, for example, from any of your PowerShell scripts needs to get changed because you have the risk that it got compromised, you can just revoke that one token and do no longer need to um, change all of them anymore. So. I think that's a good step forward. If we finally get multi-factor authentication in the first place in BCD, that would help as well. But I think that's one of the solutions for it. So the first thing is solving the API tokens so that people are no longer depending on username and password authentication for that. And then hopefully we get um, the other side sorted as quick as possible. But speaking about rights bundles, that's a very interesting topic. So a few weeks ago, um, we had an issue with, with an SP um, providing or using edge gateways and um, data center groups. So that's the, what something the service provider configures for their customers. But even providing the organization admin role to the customer leads to the fact that you cannot create a new OVDC network connected to the edge gateway from a customer point of view because you need to change the default rights bundle to include the data center groups, which enables the organization administrator to view the data center group and create networks within. So if you're stumbling across that one, like, oh, there is a data center group, I need it for distributed firewalling with NSXT and security groups and the stuff, and it's not there from an organization admin, just check the rights bundle, it's in the lowest part of the list just enable data center groups. 
I think it's it would be it would be overall a good idea to um, cover that maybe in another um, either blog post or something else. It's potentially something we should ask Jörg about if there is an easy way to validate what the new write bundles should look like in a new version because they seem to be not there seems to be no easy way. Maybe there is something where which you could just actually initiate from an, from an API code perspective or something like that. If not, it's at least a good starting point whenever you see new features, which you should have in the new version and they are not appearing, check the rights and permissions and see if everything is actually aligned from that setup perspective, because that might be causing you some headaches from that perspective. But again, speaking about upgrades, now I can say upgrading to newest uh, VCD version, especially going from 10.2 to 10.3.2, the performance of the whole UI, especially searching, improved massively. Um, I never believed that it's possible. And doing the whole troubleshooting, we saw why. Um, maybe there is there are one or more additional database connections in the backend, maybe. Um, but so that the whole new system, so 10.3.2, feels a lot more responsive compared to the previous versions. And that's a really nice improvement as well. That is especially when you look at larger environments. So that is something, um, as always, we are as in a, in a lab environment, you typically don't care how long searches take, and you typically don't care about the filter functionalities and stuff like that. But in our case, where um, at least in one of our organizations, we easily might have a few thousand VMs and stuff like that in there. It's definitely helpful if search and everything like that is more responsive. And you also get rid of some of the UI bugs from the older times where you can just actually now select something. And in the end, you really um, pick the correct object and not something below, beside, or somewhere else. Are you referring to the multi-select option? <laughs> Yes, not only the multi-select, you could get weird uh, scenarios in 10.2 as well if you were browsing through pages and it did not fully load everything yet and you select an entry and you run an option and it actually affects an object which is no longer visible and stuff like that. So all of that is very good news. Um, and so I think everybody should definitely by now go to 10.3 plus. There was a, quite a few security um, related updates. Um, in our case, as it's just internally accessible, it's a bit of a different story, but for many, many others which have external users, um, it's definitely worthwhile from that perspective as well. Um, so those were all the good news around it. I know that originally we said for this week, we might invite one of our Tanzu colleagues. Um, that didn't work out. Maybe we get that sorted for next week's call and cover a bit the container services extensions and how that plays into the VCD game and uh, how that can actually be useful to run Tenzu workloads or better spoken Kubernetes workloads. Tenzu is just an enabler from that perspective, but for service providers to provide uh, Kubernetes scenarios and workloads towards end customers, I think there is definitely um, a good starting point to showcase. Anything else for today? I mean, Matthias, we are just on our own, but. Yeah, so I'm currently thinking we should start the whole topic about how to get the VApp Edge up and running. So that was a, a very nice one as well, but we might keep it for the next session because uh, we should um, create a blog article about it. But long story short is 
the new option adding edge transport node clusters to an OVDC, it's a very good hint. And you need to have a T0, a T1, and the edge, the VAP edge runs behind the T1, aka edge gateway. But we will create a new blog post about that, and it should be ready by the next session. Plus, one of the good news we have found, in case you are not migrating a tenant, but for example, you create a new tenant to use something like the OVF tool to move things in, that actually works perfectly well. So OVF tool can export on an NSXV platform and integrate upload into NSXT without change, with one minor exception, because that is uh, not so much a VCD problem. NSXV and T have a little bit of a different concept, whereas in V, your firewall rules for nutted um, access had to be for the outer interface, whereas now in the new NSXT approach, you have to have the firewall on the inner side. So it's basically from a process perspective, um, first process nut, then process firewall in NSXT, and in NSXT before it was the other way around, first process firewall, then nut. So that is primarily the only change you have there. That change might also um, impact other, other migrations as well. We will definitely look into that a bit further if that's affecting in other scenarios as well, but it's it's a good, definitely a good looking looking spot. And what we already tried, because that's a brand new feature in 10.3.2, we already used the segment profile templates. So if you need something reconfigured on a segment, just create a new segment profile in NSXT, go to Cloud Director, import the new segment profile, and then just use it. And it can be chosen independently for VApp networks and OVDC networks. That's very important. So you can change VApp networks but uh, stay with the default config on the OVDC network. So that's a very cool feature and it works perfectly fine. Yeah, that's definitely a good one because that I, I can foresee a set of service providers which get rid of some blocking tasks with that. It's not only about promiscuous mode, but it's a lot of other network settings which many companies applied over blocking tasks and that can be taken completely out of the equation now with the um, with the segment profile. So that's definitely another good one. And I think in the next few weeks we will find it. Yeah, because there is something which might be an issue because I haven't looked into in every detail, but it seems to be applied per organization or at least per OVDC. So you cannot choose it on kind of a per VIP type or per VAP, so that is not possible. But yeah, it's a very good starting point. I, again, I would not be sure if I would really want to have that on a per VAP scenario. I would, uh, I think the per organization scenario makes sense. And cross organizations, I'm not too sure if I want to have that either, because then again, um, opening, closing, it always, as always, it has its pros and cons. Good. Exactly. So I think we will definitely, as we are moving now, finally our um, our, our POC demo and test lab um, systems um, over as well, uh, which always sounds like that's our playing ground. That's not actually our playing ground. That's actually something which we operate for others for test lab and POCs. 
And so based on that, we migrate that one. Um, now over, I think the next few weeks, we have a few more stories to share. I'm pretty sure there will be more we uncover. Um, the good, the bad, the ugly, but I hope for more the good um, than not so much the bad and ugly. Um, so looking forward to that. As long as we do not have Java key stores in place anymore, everything's fine. Yeah, or ciphers on uh, old Windows 2012 boxes. <laughs> All right. Having that said, Eve, thanks for today's session. I think a lot of very interesting new topics with the new versions and releases. Um, thanks for watching. Again, a uh, link to my blog post about the incorrect key store password can be found in the video comments. Thanks for watching. Have a nice Thank day. Thank you all. Have a nice day. See you soon.